Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here. This is episode 302. I had someone, one of our listeners, wrote in, and he asked a question. His name is Mark. I'm going to read the question to you, and then I'll get right into this podcast. The title of the episode, which will give you a clue as to what Mark is asking me. Again, this is episode 302, and the title is, Should We Passively Watch Our Constitution Erode? Mark is not the first person to ask a question like this, and I'm thinking that this podcast might not be satisfactory enough because uh, it is a big question, and we we need to come at it from several different perspectives. But what I'm going to do in this podcast is just answer the question the way that Mark asked it, and I trust that that will be satisfying. And then I will give more thought to coming at this idea of this cultural turmoil that we're going through right now, coming at it from another perspective. Because as I was preparing these show notes, someone else wrote in and asked about division in the church as Christians are dividing over what's going on in our political culture, and and it, it seems that some of them cannot come together in a unified way, which is really not good. That is a satanic strategy, and and unfortunately with some churches that is working, but not just dividing churches. It's, it's dividing family members, relatives. It's dividing friends. It's dividing marriages. Um, I was asked to do a marriage conference uh, in uh, the middle of April in Sarasota, which we are going to do, Lord willing. And some of the questions that were being asked is, how do you resolve conflict within the marriage when we are on two political uh, ideologies? I mean, where do we? How do we work through this? And so division is coming everywhere. And Mark has written in a question. And so let me read it to you, and then I'll I'll jump right into this podcast. And but please understand. I think I'm probably going to devote a little more time to it, uh, answering some other questions that are related to what Mark is saying here. Mark wrote in and he said, this is unedited, it's a quote, Will you give me a biblical perspective on when our freedoms described in our Constitution, which I believe are God-inspired, are under attack? Should we or should we not defend them? Granted, men wrote the Constitution, but I think under the influence of God's direction. It has proven to be very beneficial for the world in many ways. We have established laws. Are we to just let the government tear them up? It's a real struggle for me to give a perfect and correct answer. Thanks, Mark. Thus, I have titled this episode 302, Should We Passively watch our Constitution erode. Mark, thank you so much for writing in the question. I'm not sure who you are, but I'm glad that you are a a listener, and I'm glad that you wrote in. I have several other unrelated questions that have come in as well, and so I'm working from a a backlog. I seem to always be working from a backlog, and, and I say that with gratitude and with joy and with appreciation and also with humility that, that people would want to know uh, my perspective on on this or that. And for those of you who have written in and asked me uh, specific questions on things, I'm getting to those questions, and it might not be according to your timeline. And I'm I'm sad about that, but there's so much that I have to produce, and 
and I can't get to it all at once. And so I do thank you for your your patience. And so let me talk about this idea. Should we passively watch our Constitution erode? If you want to read what I'm sharing with you more in a bulleted format, you can go to, to the show notes of episode 302, and you can look at the highlights of what I'm sharing in a more fuller way through the podcast. The show notes typically are just bulleted type points, sometimes short paragraphs, which I have here. And there's also embedded links. There's other resources here that you can connect with that will help to give fuller explanations to different ideas that I'm going to present to you in this podcast. Now, one of the things that many of you probably picked up on in Mark's question is he said that the Constitution was inspired. And Mark, I, I I just want to bring a a corrective there that would not be true. I under, I appreciate your appreciation for the Constitution, and I appreciate it as well. But the Constitution was not inspired. Uh, I would ask you to say it this way, not inspired, but influenced, God-influenced. We talk about the Bible as an inspired document, but they're not, there are not other documents in the world no other documents in the world, like like our Constitution, that we would say is inspired, that God breathe out, that God breathe upon the writers of the Constitution and, and inspired them to put those words down. Now, so please, when you talk about it, now you, later on in your question, I mean, you said, which I believe God inspired, and then later on you said, I, I think that they were under the influence of God's direction, well, I would agree with that. I do agree with that, and that would be a better way of saying it, but I I would just appeal to you not to say that the Constitution was inspired by God because, well, there's no proof of that. And the Bible, we don't have ongoing revelation from God, and so the canon is closed. The Bible is closed, and the Constitution is not a part of the Bible. And so there is a difference between being inspired and being influenced. And whether inspired or not, they are excellent writings, and they have brought about many good things. And I do totally agree with you about that, and I appreciate your passion for the Constitution. And it is worthy. That document is worthy of our appreciation, but not just our appreciation, but also our defense. And there is no question in my mind that the framers of the Constitution were under the influence of a biblical worldview. Some of the writers, some of the framers of the Constitution were were Christians. Others were not, but all of them lived in a biblically literate culture that influenced the documents they wrote. Sometimes people will talk too much about the writers of the Constitution, many of them not being Christians, and and that's a fair argument, but it's really not an argument. It's kind of an irrelevant argument, because if you take yourself back 200-plus years to that time frame, that was a biblically literate culture. I mean, my grandmother, who, who passed away in the early aughts, she was born in 1905, I think, she told me that you know, part of her reading curriculum when she was in elementary or high school was Pilgrim's Progress. And of course, the Bible was a part of that curriculum as well. And as a child, we used to pray in school. I, I, 
I'm one of the last generations, if not the last generations, that that prayed in school. And so if you keep going back decade by decade by decade until you get to the framers of the Constitution, whether they're Christians or not, they were heavily influenced. There was a presupposition. There was a worldview. It was bibliocentric, and of course, some of them, some of them were Christians. And so that has a lot to do with how this Constitution and why this Constitution and was written and the presupposition and the worldview of it. But I do want to make that point, not inspired, but influenced. Now, as far as your question, should we sit back and and just let all this erode? Let me give you a definitive answer, no. No, absolutely not. No Christian should should sit back. God has called all of us to spread his fame to the world. Passivity and Christianity cannot coexist. When they coexist in the heart of an individual, then there is something wrong with that Christian's Christian experience. Wherever we are, we must always proclaim the message of Christ around us. Now, in America, we have had more freedom to proclaim Christ than any other country. I mean, it's why, you know, people talk about how horrible America is, or Americans talk about how horrible it is, and of course, other people around the world do as well. But still, we're the most popular country in the world. People want to come here. I mean, nobody comes here. I want to come here because this is a place that's full of systemic racism. No, they want to come here because they know that this is the land of the free. And it is a false narrative to say some of the things that are being said about our country. And as a Christian, we need to proclaim. We need the courage to stand up, not just defend our country. What we really want to proclaim is Christ. Our freedom is found in Christ, not in our country. And so as we begin to communicate and take a non-passive role, we and I'll speak to this in just a moment, but we do want to make sure we're speaking about the right thing. Is it about Christ or country, which is, which is the priority? But it is true, Mark, what you are saying, that the freedoms are eroding. And so I understand your question. I, I agree with your sentiment. I, I, I agree with where you're coming from. You see, in America, there is a stratification of power and influence. And the way that I describe it, it's like three levels. There's a foundation, foundational level, and then there's a layer on top of that, and then there's a third layer on top of that. Well, historically, the foundational level of America was a conservative, Christocentric, bibliocentric foundation. That's what I was saying earlier about the framers of the Constitution. The Constitution flowed out of a bibliocentric, literate culture, and that was the dominating foundation. And then Christianity stood on top of that. Because everybody, again, that framed the Constitution and everybody that lived back then were not Christians, but they were conservative. And so we had a predominantly conservative uh, culture, country. And then on top of that, there's a smaller group of people would be Christians who were really regenerated and they proclaimed the message of Christ. And they had the freedom to do that because the culture predominantly, foundationally, was conservative. But now there that's not we are not a christian country anymore we're not 
there is another foundation that has supplanted the historical foundation of this country, and it is a progressive, liberal, presuppositional worldview. That is the dominating foundation of our country today. They own the academy. They own Hollywood. They own the media. They own politics right now. They own the main uh, cornerstones of, of our culture, and so therefore we have to admit and recognize that we're not a Christian country and that conservative foundation is, is, not, the, is not the foundation anymore, that the dominating power and influence in our culture is progressive, liberal worldview, and that is the foundation. And then the next layer on top of this liberal worldview is a conservative culture. This conservative culture is made up of Christians and and non-Christians. There are people like Dennis Prager, for example, would be conservative but not a Christian. Ben Shapiro would be conservative but not a, a Christian. Dave Rubin would be conservative, conservative liberal, but not a Christian. And there are many more like this, uh, Glenn Lowry, uh, for example, and hundreds of other people who might not be Christians, but yet they are conservative. And we are in that mix as well, but we are sitting on top of a larger foundation that is liberal. And so the foundation is liberal. The next layer on top of that that is smaller is conservative. And then a third layer on top of that would be you and me, assuming that you have been regenerated, you are a Christian, and we sit on top of that. And that's where Mark sits. And so Mark is sitting on top of this smaller culture, this Christian culture, and he feels the ground eroding under him. And that is something that we had never felt before because it used to be that the foundation was conservative. But it's not conservative anymore, and so our world is shrinking, or to use the words that Mark used, that we are eroding. Christian culture, this smaller culture that sits on top of a conservative world in America, has always had the freedom to proclaim the message of Christ because progressivism was not the dominating foundation. But now that progressive movement is the prevailing worldview, and our liberties are shrinking. Now again, no Christian should be passive about the message of Christ. We must always be thinking, praying, strategizing, and implementing ways to share Christ in our sphere of influence. And we're not trying to create a theocracy. A theocracy is when there is a deity as the the head, as the leader of the country. And we're not trying to do that. God has not called us to create a, a theocratic government, but this perspective of not creating a theocracy doesn't mean that we are to steer away from politics and other civil actions. And so, Mark, when you ask, should we just sit by and let the Constitution erode? Absolutely not. Each person must determine what God has called them to do. And this process has always has something to do with the individual's gift mix, passion, skill set, and opportunities. 
And so I don't know, Mark, what your gift mix is. I don't, I don't know what God has gifted you, what he has given you. I don't know your personality. I don't know your strengths and weaknesses. I don't know what your, your passions are, your skill set. I don't know what opportunity is before you. That's something that you have to figure out. That's something that you have to pray. You have to ask God, what does he want you to do? Several years ago, I was in my late 40s. I was pastoring. I was on a pastoral team at a, a local church, and I, it was not an enjoyable experience. And part of why it wasn't an enjoyable experience is because when you are a pastor, you're, you're doing, in a small church anyway, you're doing everything. I mean, you're doing absolutely everything. And I don't have omni-gifting. I don't have a broad gift set. I have a limited gift set. My gift mix and my strengths and weaknesses, they, they are all around the area of sanctification. And as I began to think about that, it's like, you know, pastoral ministry is not fun. And what I mean by not fun is like, well, you know, you want to find something that's fun? Well, okay, good for you. Now, what I mean by not fun, it really wasn't hitting the bullseye of, of where my strengths were and what I believe God had called me to do. My specific gift is in the area of sanctification. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to focus on my unique gifts, gifts that God has given me. I wanted to specialize. I didn't want to broaden them out and be a pastor where I was doing everything, some things that I'm not good at, but could I focus on what I am good at and bring it down and zero in and focus specifically on sanctification? And so I started a blog in 2008, and it has turned into this somewhat, <laughs> this let's just say a busy, a very busy, a massive ministry uh, that we are operating now. Well, that's what I'm asking you to do, Mark. What are your gifts? What are your strengths? What's your passion, your skill set? What opportunity is before you? I'm not asking you to write a blog. I'm not asking you to start a ministry. But I'm asking you to figure out what God has called you to do to make a difference in your sphere of influence. And, and don't complain. I'm not saying you are complaining about it. But I know there are too many people that are sitting on their bums and they are just grumbling about what is going on and they post these grumblings all over the internet and they're whiners, they're grumblers, they're complainers, they are on the defensive. It's like somebody, the, the culture does something that's just boneheaded, dumb, and we sit back and complain about it or we mock it or... Or, or just make some snarky comment about it. That is reactionary. It is defensive. And if you're doing that, stop it. You need to be on the offensive, always commenting on what other people, what the culture is doing, but yet you're not making any headway. There's no beachhead. There's no, there's no push into that with courage and grace of speaking into that, then please. Uh, and again, Mark, I'm not saying that you're, you're doing that, but if you have a tendency to grumble or complain, you need to repent. I mean, just repent. And 
then ask God to how he can maximize your strengths and to move out there and do something within your sphere of influence. There are a zillion ways to make a difference in the culture, though it's vital to keep in view that changing the culture is not your chief aim. I talked about that earlier. I said I would I would speak to that. I want to speak to it now. This idea we're not trying to create a theocracy. And so our primary objective is not to change the culture. That's not our chief aim. Transforming the culture is a byproduct of more crucial actions. And so make sure that when you, whatever you have in your sight lines, that what you have in your sight lines is a, a Christocentric objective, not the culture. The culture cannot be in our sight lines, but Christ must be. If your primary objective is to change the culture, you will miss the more important goals. Thus, the way that we impact the culture is to start with yourself. From that point of departure, starting with yourself, the next person that you want to influence, if you're married, is your spouse. The next person you want to influence after that are your children, if you have any. And then you want to impact your church and then your neighbors, and then your culture in that order, and it keeps growing exponentially. But you have to start from an infrastructural perspective. The infrastructure begins with you. And so, Mark, you are at the center of this. And you begin to, and of course, you're asking this question here, and so you're wrestling through these things. So I have to assume that you, in fact, what you said, I'm going to go back to your question, you said, are we to just let the government tear it up? It's a real struggle for me to give a per- perfect and correct answer. I'm going to assume from what you're saying here that you do want to start with you. You want to get your head screwed on straight. You want to understand this. You want to understand your role in it. And that is exactly where you are to start. You start with yourself. yourself. You begin changing yourself. And then you begin uh, working within your marriage if you're married, and then you begin communicating this Christocentric worldview to your your children, and then inside your church. And when churches are dividing over masks and and social distancing and the other things that are going on now, well, that that will not impact the culture. That is doing the exact opposite of what I'm saying here. And if we're if if we if our maturity level is at the place where we are dividing over masks, then there's no way the culture can be impacted, and the culture will continue to make headway because we are fighting infrastructurally, we are divisive and disunified inside, and that's why rather than starting at a cultural level to make a difference, we have to make sure that the infrastructure is tight and in order. Bibliocentric, with the Christocentric focus. To change a family, a church, a country, you must always begin with the infrastructure, and that starts with you. There are too many Christians that are trying to change the culture, which often comes across as snarky and angry, back and forth with the culture. And this is nothing but venting. It's non-redemptive. And it speaks to the impoverishedness of the person's soul 
that is always grumbling and complaining about what is going on and not on the offensive, or they are snarky back and forth even within the Christian community, or they are sniping with the culture. And when that is going on, then the culture is going to win because that is not an offensive strategy. We have to be on the offense. Therefore, we have to start with ourselves and begin to move outwardly. This is episode 302, Should We Passively Watch Our Constitution Erode? The answer is absolutely not. We, we must mobilize, and we must start with ourselves. And so I want to ask you with a few questions as I wrap up this podcast. Number one, in what ways are you transforming yourself to represent Christ more effectively in your sphere of influence? Are you on the offensive or are you on the defensive, where you're just whining and complaining and grumbling about what's going on? Maybe you can ask those who are closest to you, how are they being influenced by you? What do they hear coming out of your mouth, which is a reflection of where your heart is? And that would be a good assessment to take. Are you being transformed? Are you growing in hope? I mean, this is like one of the most profound times uh, in our culture to bring change. God is purging the church. He's shrinking the church down to the true church as people are falling away. This is a bright time. This is a time when our light should be shining the brightest. And so in what ways are you transforming yourself to represent Christ more effectively in your sphere of influence? Number two, in what ways are you and your spouse modeling and exporting the message of Christ to your sphere. And so now you come together as one flesh. Again, if you are if you are married, and now you begin to represent Christ to a greater culture. Number three, how is your family representing a gospel-centered home that is changing the culture? If you live in a, a subdivision, let's say, or you live in an apartment complex, uh, you live in a trailer park, your trailer, your apartment, your your house, it should be the brightest light in that community by you, uh, your spouse, your children. If these things are not happening, starting with yourself, then your marriage, then your family, if these things aren't happening, then if you go out and try to change the culture, you, you will not sustain you will not influence, you will not impact, you will not transform. And so build the infrastructure. Number four, what specific things are you doing within your church to change lives? Now, this is where I probably will have to do another podcast of disunity in the church where people are, are really splitting over, over mask of all things and social distancing and I may speak to that, but my question in this podcast is, how are you redemptively impacting your church for the cause of Christ? Because then your church body, I'm, I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the church body, then that body becomes lights all over the county, all over the city, all over the community where you live, and you want each person within, because the church, not the building, but the actual church, 
These individuals, they influence people all over the place. And so you want to be impacting them, the church body, so that they can impact as they go out, as they are deployed throughout the city, the community, and the county, so that they can influence the culture. And then number five, what cultural initiatives are you taking and impacting? I do what I do, and I'm not asking anybody to do what I do. God's called you to do some version of what I do, do that. Uh, But how are you impacting the culture? For example, voting, obviously, is an obvious answer. Uh, That is an obvious answer. Protesting, civil civil, uh, protest, or peaceful protesting is, is obviously... And uh, as an answer as well to to communicate uh, your message, there's nothing wrong with that when you do it in a Christocentric way. Uh, participating and connecting with your local pro-life center that would be an excellent way to serve. But there's many ways that you can get inside the culture and begin to bring impact. And as you do this in these concentric circles, you will find the culture will start to change. Unfortunately, what is happening is that Christians, we in America, have been so spoiled for so long that we have become passive, and the culture, the progressives, the the left, however we want to describe them, have been more strategic, more intentional, more offensive— and they have made greater headway. And it has surprised many of us that we have gone into despair, uh, we've gone into paralysis, and, and we do nothing more than spectate on what we are observing. And so, Mark, you ask the question, should we let them erode the Constitution? No. Go. Make disciples. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.